Between the rich man and Lazarus, there is a large chasm, a great divide which one cannot cross over. How did this chasm come to be? Who put it there? Why is it there? Welcome to the Spiritual Father Podcast. I am Father Adam Carrico, and this homily was recorded on September 29th for the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time, 10.30 a.m. Mass at Ascension Catholic Church, Louisville, Kentucky. As always, thank you for listening. Enjoy. It's the... Uh... It's this desire for uh, children to, to learn and to, to behave and uh, to learn how to interact with one another that often leads uh, parents into the desire uh, to point out particular uh, behaviors, perhaps, that they want their children to work on. Um, now, being a biological parent myself, I do recognize that this can be difficult and it often uh, ends up becoming an issue of, of mom or dad having a set of pet peeves that they express. Uh, now it's my opinion that the average mother gets 30 pet peeves before it even really begins to count. So, so you've got like negative 30 and then, and then once you start getting into the positives, then you're getting kind of obnoxious. But you've got like negative 30 to begin with. So keep that in mind when I say that my mom too had a list of pet peeves. She was going to be here today so that she could glare at me. But instead my sister's here to, uh, to acknowledge the reality as well. Um, one of those, Amanda, am I right, was that if we drug our feet on the floor, she would say, pick your feet up. Am I right or am I right? I am right. Pick a feet up. Pick a feet up. All the time. It's like a chorus. It's funny, I think of it now, because at the rectory, the dining room floor and the kitchen floor are not level. There's a threshold that raises a little bit. Not too much, I don't think. I've never tripped on it, you know, because I pick my feet up. <laughs> but mom has tripped on it a couple times. And every time she does, I think, pick your feet up, pick your feet up. So, but this, this reality that there is uh, often in our lives a transition. We call them, uh, we call them a, a threshold often uh, between one space and another. And if we don't acknowledge them, then we may trip, as my mom does uh, sometimes going from the dining room into the kitchen. Uh, these these uh, liminal spaces exist throughout our society, uh, not just in our homes, but uh, one place you often encounter them is in major cities where there's a subway. And it's almost, a, almost like a pet peeve of the train that it will repeat over and over, you know, something along the lines of be aware that the train and the platform may not be level or that there may be a space in between the train and the platform. Uh, that's in U US cities, DC and, and uh, New York and such cities like that. The, the English though have a much more uh, poetic phrase than be aware of the space that might exist between the train and the platform. Mind the gap. If you've ever been to London, you'll hear it over and over and over again. Mind the gap. If you don't mind the gap, you might trip and fall. You might make a fool of yourself. You might get injured. 
You might sue the subway company. You never really know. But you have to mind the gap, mind the chasm, as it were. We do have a threshold, a transition, a, a gap here in our own worship space as well, right before me. These three steps. Why are there three? I'll let you work on that one. There's a reason, though. There's almost always three steps. And if we don't, well, to, when we approach a gap, a threshold, we have three options, I think. We can pretend it doesn't exist and trip over it. You know, just, just look right over it and then trip. We could stand there and say, this should not be here. This gap should not exist. I'm not going to move forward until this is rectified. And you just stand there, not doing anything. Or you do what my mom always told me, and pick up your feet and walk. We have to acknowledge and move forward with these transitions, with these gaps. We do so when we're walking up these steps by bowing to the altar, acknowledging that that gap exists because it's the threshold in our worship space between the sacred and the more sacred, between heaven and earth. You may ask yourself, but Father, why isn't the tabernacle then in heaven? I have no idea. I have no idea. But anyways, we'll talk about that later. There's transitions. And this transition between heaven and earth, this chasm, is what our rich man is dealing with in our parable today. Is anyone's name here Fred? Anyone's name Fred? Okay, good. The rich man doesn't have a name, which is kind of interesting. The rich man is unnamed, but the poor man is named. It's kind of the reverse of what we would often hear in popular stories. So we'll call the rich man Fred. Fred is in quite a predicament. He's on one side of this great chasm between the torment of hell and uh, the abundance of heaven. On one side is him, on the other side is Lazarus, the poor man, and Abraham, and supposedly all of those uh, who are experiencing the beauty of heaven. And Abraham even tells Fred, you can't come from your side to ours, and we can't come from our side to yours. Can't pass it. It's too great of a chasm. There's no way to go uh, from one side to the other. And where did this chasm come from? Who put it there? How was it created? Why is it that one cannot go from one side to the other or from the other side to the first? Why is it there? I think, I feel like there's evidence for why this chasm exists in Fred himself, in his behavior. And before we look too critically at Fred, before we start to demonize him and say, I'm not Fred, well, how many of you have a poor man sleeping on your front steps? I don't. You probably don't either. Rightfully so. If I did, I'd probably call the police because that could be very unpredictable, very dangerous. But Fred, 
He's got Lazarus just hanging out on his front porch. Fred probably tells himself, I'm a good guy. I take care of Lazarus, or whatever his name is. You know, he gets a place to stay. I don't kick him out. I don't call the cops. I don't beat him up. Sure, I don't give him any food. I don't invite him in. I don't talk to him. But other people do. You know, and he's, he's got his dogs. So it's fine. I should be, you know, pretty proud of myself. should pat myself on the back. I'm doing pretty well by, by uh, Lazarus. But he's always keeping him on the other side. He's one of those other people. He's poor. He's sick. He's filthy. He's unclean. Put him on that other side. I don't think the point of our parable today is to say that Fred should have made Lazarus's life exactly like his. Pleasure in this life, the whole point of a parable, pleasure in goodness in this life, isn't the entirety of all that there is. There's much more to our existence than what we have in this life. So I don't think Fred was actually supposed to make Lazarus's life perfect or easy by any means. But I think he was called to not have such a chasm between them. I think Fred thought, we're fine. There's no difference between us. We're This is just the way things are. There's nothing wrong here. That is pretending like the chasm doesn't exist, like the threshold isn't even there. It's not there. I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to be comfortable. There's that word in the parable. He is comfortable. He's not, his heart doesn't yearn for connection with Lazarus in a deeper way. There's also another phrase that one, when someone pointed it out to me in this gospel, it changed the entire way I looked at it. Did you notice how Lazarus died? And Fred, the rich man, he died and was buried. Hmm. I wonder if Fred didn't even give a little bit of money so that Lazarus could have a proper funeral. I wonder if he was just kind of swept away like trash. There's a difference, but I don't think that the rich man is comfortable looking at it or he wants to avoid it. And then when it comes to the afterlife, he trips over that threshold, that cavern, that, um, that gap between them. And he's not able to go from one side to the other. And he's still, even in this place of torment, Abraham, send Lazarus. It's not even Lazarus, please help me. It's Abraham, send that person over here to help me. Send him to go help my brothers. Send him to do this, that, and the other. Like he's an object. He's not even seeing him. There's a chasm between them. He's not, he doesn't even desire union with him. But God does. God desires for us to be so united with one another. That's what the Eucharist calls us to. To be united so closely with one another that we're a little uncomfortable with that. As we should be. 
Because being that close to one another is not what we're used to. We're more comfortable with having that gap between us. That chasm, I think Fred's heart's what created it. It's Fred's heart that sustains it. He doesn't want to be in union with Lazarus. They're two different people. He doesn't desire it. We cannot be like Fred. We must be more like Abraham and Lazarus. God, desiring that kind of union, while uncomfortable, bridges that divide. We first have to recognize it's there. It's not up to us to solve it. It's not up to us to fix it. It's up to us to desire that it not exist. At least acknowledging it and then doing what we can, the little that we may be able to do, to bridge that gap, to bring us together, to not allow such a chasm to exist. We receive from this one body, this one chalice, that which calls us to such an uncomfortable and yet godly union with one another. you have enjoyed this homily and have gained something from it. For more from Spiritual Father, please visit spiritualfather.org where you will find other homilies, blog articles, social media posts, as well as links to various projects. Thank you for the support. May our Lord and Savior bless you this day and every day to come.